What is he doing? <laughs> we got Gerard and Javon <laughs> Woods with us in studio. We're going to get into it this week on Dropping Sunday. Hey, hey, welcome to Dropping Sunday. I'm one of your hosts, Seth. And I am your other host, Andrea. And in case this is your first time around here, Dropping Sunday is a semi-reverent look at Christian pop culture. Just a couple of notes. We are not here to get you saved. We're also not here to tick you off. Although if either of those things happen, we we do want to know. Yes, this is a podcast by Christians for Christians, but you don't need to believe to belong. Andrea, how's your heart? You know, my heart's good. Can can I just can I mention? Sure. We are recording in the same room. Yeah. Can I mention that? It's yeah. the first time in three months. Yeah. And we're, we're about six feet away. Yes, we're doing we our, are. We're, we're, we're doing the we thing. We are socially distanced. <laughs> we're fine, but it's just it's just really nice to be in a room with other people. I've been recording in my apartment all by myself. And I just don't like that. Yeah, it's kind of lonely. It's yeah. kind of lonely. So I'm excited just to be able to like see you again. Hey, I know. How hey. are how are you? I'm good. good. It's good to see my friends. Yes. And we I'm excited today because we've got more friends in the room yes. with us. And so by the way, thank you guys for letting us be able we to like give us an excuse. So excited. Oh yeah, we're we're <laughs> excited to be here. I can't wait. <laughs> we got Gerard and Javon Woods hey, in hey. the house. Hello everybody. Yes. Hey. So um yeah, so here's the deal. We kind of mentioned this last week. We kind of talked about, you know, as uh, as a podcast that's about modern Christian pop culture, we we got to talk about the stuff that's actually going on right now, right? Yeah. The problem is, with all the stuff going on with uh, Black Lives Matter and the racial tensions that are going that, that are just all over the place, uh, really two white people looking at each other through Zoom probably not the best way to like have that conversation. <laughs> no, just by right. definitely I mean, not. No, <laughs> definitely so, not. So we started thinking, okay, you know, um, who are some people that we could get on the show? And we wanted to have you guys on the show back in March. And uh, because, I don't know, I mean, some people may not be familiar with your work. Um, you should be. At this point, you should <laughs> If you're be. not, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, you guys, uh, we're still waiting for the Stellar Awards, aren't we? Oh we my are. goodness. <laughs> Nothing is for sure right now. Yes. Everything is a big question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they did. They just postponed, right? And they're not. Well, yeah, and and actually, the we just received, I think, a letter maybe a few weeks ago that they were going to do it virtually. Mm. Uh, they were going to try to do it in August. Um, that was the first uh, pushback date. But then yeah. they said, okay, we're going to do it in virtually. So we're like, okay, mm-hmm. we still don't know what that looks like. Right. And so it's like, okay, what yeah, could possibly it, go wrong? Did they, set a date, <laughs> did they set a date for that in August? Uh, at, yeah, August did have a date, but oh. this virtual thingy does not. That's my understanding anyway. Everything but. is TBD. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> 2020. 2020, 2020. 2020 is yeah. TBD. Yeah, 2020 is TBD for, for sure. sure. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, um, why don't you guys give us a little bit of your guestimony? Just like, uh, <laughs> what? Just uh, you know, where did y'all grow up? How did y'all meet? When did you guys get into all of it? And just Oh, yeah. Yeah. We are from Louisiana. I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana, and my wife is from New Orleans. We met as children. We were, mm-hmm. I probably was about 10. Mm-hmm. That was and, nine. Yeah, <laughs> and that we were uh, just, we, have, we both come from music families, mm-hmm. and we would sing on, end up on the same programs because of our age, for one, and it, we just happened to be, and that, over time, we uh got to we started dating at twelve and thirteen ish, and oh y'all are like childhood sweethearts. We are Basically. childhood sweethearts. Oh, <laughs> I love absolutely! It. Oh, my goodness. And it was a long distance relationship, mm-hmm. and then we ended up at the same university. <laughs> Why? Well, Shreveport, New Orleans, five hour drive, nine hours on a Trailways bus though. Okay. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you know that makes me hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but then I didn't, it, it was just, that's what travel was. Yeah. It, I yeah. didn't know any better. Sure. But um, yeah, yeah. So here we are now. We are singers. We still are singers. That's, we were, we've been doing that since we were babies. And we are worship leaders at Bethesda Church in Fort Worth. But we lived in Nashville doing music as session singers and um we travel doing tours and stuff with artists. And that's what we do. That's we awesome. We still do that. 
That, that's awesome. So you guys have been doing this for forever then. Oh my goodness, yes. And the funny thing is we did not intend to do it together. Mm-mm. It just kind of, it, it, you know, people would ask us to sing for, you know, weddings and stuff like that. And we're like, oh yeah, sure, we'll sing for your wedding, whatever. It never clicked. It never clicked. And um, we were singing background for, I believe it was Natalie, Natalie Grant, Grant at the time. And uh, she would have us on her um what was it? Her intermission, I think mm-hmm. she would have us sing, and it was you know, so random. It was very random, yeah. <laughs> wow. but uh, we used to, you know, get a really good response from that. And then we just started thinking, maybe what could this possibly? Yeah, maybe you know, we yeah. need to get in these streets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you guys, uh, you guys signed with Motown, yes, and uh, the, on the on the gospel, yes. Is it is it we called did. Motown Motown Gospel? Sounds yeah, but right? it's really Capital Capital. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, how long ago did you guys sign? We signed last year. Like, um, the, hold on, it is 2020. I feel oh, like I need to remind you. Right, oh you do because okay. I'm like, what in, day is I it? Think what it may have been 2018? <laughs> it was yeah, actually 2018. See, mm-hmm. see, you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. hold my hand. <laughs> it yes. was 2018. So we then recorded uh, an EP mm-hmm. called "What a Beautiful Name" mm-hmm. on Motown, mm-hmm. and released it in 2019. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Come uh-oh, on. Uh-oh. Come on. Uh, listen. <laughs> yeah. Just give him a little taste. Yeah. This is the acapella version. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> now, that version is what drew Motown to us. Okay. We did. We released that on um, social media. Yeah. And good. it went viral. And so they were like, hey, y'all want to y'all y'all record some music? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you you released it on Facebook, and then you had all these people that would come back in and like and cover it, cover it, yes. and then like start adding their pieces. Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, how cool is that to be collaborating it's, with it's so awesome. people so all over the world? And by the way, yeah. two years before anybody else was doing it, because now that's what everybody has to well, do. I mean, <laughs> oh wow, we're all recording yeah. virtually now, but. That's you guys are true. just trailblazers. You guys are trailblazers. Y'all See? broke the mold. Who knew? It was prophetic. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I like it. I love that. That it wasn't pathetic. I yeah. I, nope, not at all. Talk about it. Definitely not. That's good. That's, That's good. awesome. So, um, well, so how long have you guys been at Bethesda? It's been it's been a minute. Seven years. Seven yeah, years. I just made seven in wow. June. The beginning of June. Was beginning seven of years. June. Okay. And you know what? Unfortunately. I don't, well, this may be unfortunately or just FYI. Uh, Pastor Dan Smith intentionally had a vision to go to actually reach out to other cultures mm-hmm. because this church is historically a white church. Yeah. And he had a vision to um, make this church multicultural. It's like, we, this is not what the kingdom of God looks like. This is right. not a true example. Absolutely. And we want to push toward that and so he said you know what let me let me pull some people of color in here and put them in leadership hoping to enforce that vision exactly Mm -hmm. you know to push that vision of and it's been it's been working yeah yeah well i remember that sunday that he shared that you know he 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 had just kind of had some god drop something into his spirit about being multicultural multi-generational oh yeah and it like the door started just flinging open. It was crazy. Yeah. It was absolutely it really insane. Was. It, it is not something that any person is going to plan out the way no. that it all happened. Oh my goodness! And and looking at it, and you know, you guys came and joined and um, came on staff, and it was wonderful. And then we started having all these other cultural churches and services. How did they know? Like how? What? <laughs> did someone tell them? It right. was God. God yes. told them. Yes, that really? to be the only way. Really, really. It just was. It was just crazy, and even now, when he when he talks about it, it kind of kind of gives me chills a little bit because it just yeah. was such a God thing and such a God moment. Yes, and you know, just look at the fruits of it now. I yeah. mean, Bethesda it's, is is really uh, reaping the benefits, but it's just it like you said, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Yeah. The kingdom of God. When you think about heaven. Heaven, we're going to be worshiping God in every language, every right. tongue, every yeah. tribe, every nation. Mm-hmm. Heaven's not going to be all white. That's Heaven's right. not going to be all black. It's not going to be all anything. It's going to be everything. everything. <laughs> and it's right. going to be beautiful. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, And so you guys have actually been able to um, be around and minister with people like, you know, big names. So, so I know you guys don't typically like to name no, drop. You're very humble people. No. 
But but like people may not understand that like okay, you're you're nominated for stellar awards, right? Like you're you're you've got you've you're actual recording artists that are signed to a label. You're not mm-hmm. just you know people who like to sing good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're not. Well, you, thank you, you. You don't hope. You, you don't just hope to be on the voice one day. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, you guys are like legit artists and it might help also just to people understand the type of people that call you and say, Hey, I need you guys to come sing with us. Yeah. So do you mind name dropping oh, a few? I don't care. Go. go it's go. fine. Well, you know, the catalyst really for, um, a singing, I guess with all of these, all of these different artists, was it, was it Darwin we started with? Yeah. Or, okay. So Darwin Hobbs was the first, he's not, Maybe uh, not as known as some of the others, but he was the, actually the first one that we started to travel with. But then CeCe Winans was um, the, I guess, first major artist that we traveled with um, singing BGVs. Um, then there was Donnie McClurkin. Of course, when you start singing with CeCe, everybody's like, well, who are they? Right. Can we, you know, and so we had a lot of people reaching out really based on us starting with her. Right. Um, Michael W. Smith. Yes. Uh-huh. Amy yeah. Grant. Yeah. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Stevie Curtis Chappie. Right. <laughs> That's what we call him. We didn't travel Sorry. with him, but we did some recording. We did a few yeah. of his records. Yeah. 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 Are, and, um, um, uh, Jesus. I hey, real quick. we Settle a bet for us. Okay. Who's better, Michael W. Smith or Stephen Curtis Chapman? Oh, my Personal goodness. Personal opinion. Go. Really? <laughs> That's, really? That's tough to ask a, mu- a singer because we don't see it as uh, like skill like they do totally different different things. Yeah, yeah. they ex- their <laughs> expression is completely different. Oh my! So goodness. it's hard to go one is better than the other because it's like, well, if you take this one away, you lose what they bring. Yeah. So I, I we know. we put them in a cage match together. They had five rounds, and <laughs> and the winner Smitty won by a mullet. It so was it was-, <laughs> it was so close, you guys. It was so close but that's what that's one of our one of our episodes is that we do these cage matches and we just match these people up and anyway that was a good one the funny thing about it is we (laughs) did not necessarily grow up listening to them at least i did not i didn't either that was new friends yes we went and of course going (laughs) well everyone knew i mean you had to be dead not to know that but um yeah i think moving to nashville and working in uh communities ccm ccm Mm -hmm. the ccm world is really huge there and so we were exposed to a lot based on that experience um is there a if if nashville is a hub for ccm is there a hub for gospel not necessarily i mean the closest i could say maybe would be atlanta what do you think yeah but then there's detroit oh yes Mm -hmm. what am i thinking la yeah, and I mean, it depends on if you mean in terms of industry or if you mean, mean exactly. just music because there's a difference. There's um, a difference. Okay. So, uh, re- making music and recording music versus a lot of performers, you've got several several of those hubs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's hard to kind of narrow it down, but... Well, last week we did a uh, we did a, a bracket. We put sixteen female CCM artists together, and uh, we just kind of did like a you know like a March Madness type of thing. Oh, and, really? And, and just kind of <laughs> started knocking people out. Listen, we, we have fun <laughs> on this show. <laughs> he he intentionally paired up a few people just to break my heart and yeah. make me choose between and. Do it. Yeah. Um, somebody who given him yet? Yeah. Somebody who made it pretty far was actually Natalie Grant. She made it. Oh, she yeah. Made it. I think killing. she got knocked out by Tasha Cobbs Leonard, right? Oh, everybody got knocked out by Tasha <laughs> Well, fair. That's fair. She, she did win. It's she won funny. the bracket. Um, but yes, Natalie Grant. She's she's one of my favorites. Um, I love to follow sing. her on Instagram because mm-hmm. she's just so, uh, she's so real, yeah. you know? Right. And yeah. Definitely. Well, and one of the things that she did uh, a couple of weeks ago on Blackout Tuesday is that she actually put a Black Lives Matter thing on her Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she came out pretty quick that, uh, hey, a bunch of people stopped following me. Yes. Um, thousands yes. of people. Oh, yeah. Which thousands. That blows my thousands. mind. That says, that speaks <laughs> volumes. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that says about, um, you know, what's going on with the people that are fans of hers. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like it says a lot. Oh, okay? absolutely. 100%. And so one of the things that I want to be careful with and, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to have this conversation, but at the same time, I'm also scared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Why? Well, I'm scared. We're going to beat you up. <laughs> no, <I'm playing. laughs> 
You're in a safe place. <laughs> I know. I Maybe. Know. Depends <laughs> on what you ask. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <all that's true. laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I don't know if maybe scared is the right word. It might be even just more nervous because I want to make sure that um, I am doing a good service for um, all believers. Right. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Correct. And right now, that ain't happening. Correct. And so the only way that I feel like this can happen is if there are some honest conversations, but I also don't want to come across as white splaining. I don't want to <laughs> no. feel like, uh, I also want want to feel like I'm asking you guys to black splain anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I really just want. We would have to at some, at to some degree. Which, which right. is fine, but I also don't want it to be like, okay, educate me. Like. No, yeah. But so, if you yeah. don't know, it w- you just don't know. <laughs> just don't know. It's completely fair. Completely yeah. <laughs> so um, I just want to make make sure that like uh, I'm probably gonna say something wrong. I might even say something offensive, and that's all. Right. And I'll be honest with you. Even if I do, I might leave it in because <laughs> I may too, and I don't. I don't. I don't intend to. Mm-hmm. That's. But yeah, I mean, I, there are some things about white culture that I I really don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I think this might be just a good time for us to ask questions of each other and try to present, you know, the other people's point of view to the best of our ability. Is that, Oh yeah. Is that fair? Is that okay? Yeah. Works for me. Okay. Um, do it. Maybe we just start off having the conversation by saying, um, where do you want to start the conversation? (laughs) Well, you know what? I would just say just based, um, jumping off of what you said, Um, I think this time that we're in is really just a flushing out and it's um, not pretty. It's, you know, it's just not pretty, you know? And so I think a lot of people are looking for, Oh, I say my side and then we accept and you say your side. Then we say, it's not like that. It's, it's Mm -hmm. been something that has been so deeply rooted in our culture, so deeply rooted in, our everyday life, that it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be pretty. But I think the true test of our Christianity is where do we land after it's all said and done? Can we come to a place of um, agreement or at least understanding when the, when in the final analysis? And so I think that's just where we are. And so. Yeah, for sure. I think we could start by kicking it off from what was the tipping scale. Mm-hmm. So it was George Floyd being killed by a cop mm-hmm. and in plain daylight and for the world to see it. So it is now sparking conversation, of course, outrage, protests, and all kinds of, you know, conversations that are becoming combative. And you have to go, wait, what, what, what is our goal? What are we trying to do here? Yeah. But there's all these conversations and all these ideas and the people want to know, hey, wait, is there anything I could do? White people want to say they white people are saying, hey, is there anything I can do? Is is there something that I'm not aware of? That is actually what black people, I think, and I can't speak for all. I think that's one thing, one step toward a positive direction mm-hmm. for you to say to black people who have been disadvantaged in this country to say, hey, wait. Is there something I'm not aware of? Please tell me. I may not know something. And that's great for me. I mean, and we can start there as far as that's the first step. Otherwise, it's been, um, I don't know what you're talking about. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, can I ask a question? Yes. What's different about George Floyd? Because here's the deal. He's not the first black man to be killed by a police officer. Right. Absolutely. So why now? Why him? Why now? I think because of the the extreme of how he was killed, the the time, the the eight minutes and forty six seconds ish, whatever it was, th- that people can see, and he's crying out, yeah. and people feel that because yeah. you, everybody, know what it's like to be in pain and distress. Not maybe not to that extreme, or if you do, but you the human part of everyone is looking at that and they're not seeing color. They're hearing pain. Right. right. And that has no color. Right. So they're like that. He is serious. The something in his voice made you think, Oh no, 
he is in in real pain. And the fact that the police officer was so callous to it. And I do recognize that there may be other factors as to why the police officer was callous because they see so much every day that is certainly not giving him an excuse or a reason um, to justify what happened. But the callousness of him not even responding to the cry, the man was already arrested. He already had handcuffs on. I mean, if you feel like he's going to do something, I mean, hog time, do something else. Right. But just to sit there and hear him yeah. cry for his mother was like, I mean, just as Gerard said, it just touched in a, in a deep place for everybody, I think. I, I read something that said when George Floyd called out for his mom, every mother's heart yes. felt that. Yes. They oh heard that. Yes. They experienced that in that moment. I think for me, the part of that whole thing is... The ca- all of this and then knowing that he was on video and he's yeah i'm like you it, <laughs> i just i'm i'm sitting there going how are you not realizing that yeah. you you are doing something for the whole world to see right and the whole world is going to see this right. and they have and i was really moved by i can't say for sure but i'm imagining this i was moved by the person who was filming it that the view that is most popular the person moved forward in a, an attempt to aid, to assist. And immediately the police get back and you, you're you helpless. And you're, you're, a natural thing was to, to try to save that person and they were halted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were halted. And because of his authority, he had the authority to do that. And he, this person is dead and that person holding the camera that could have assisted couldn't use that opportunity. It, there was just really no reason for it. I mean, that's yeah. the bottom line. There was just no, nothing you could say because, you know, you could say before as a black person, you know, this happens all the time, but then you're always um, asked, well, how, when, you know, but now that it happened to me. In, yeah. Has, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen it, but seeing right. it right there, of course, you know, <laughs> well, it's like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Why would you see it? There's video of Eric Garner in the exact same situation saying, saying, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Here's the first person that we know of that's Mm -hmm. actually, and now that's become a a, a rallying cry. And this is something that George Floyd actually said, I can't breathe. And it didn't even trigger in the police officer's brain. I could actually kill him like George Floyd Mm -hmm. or it did. And he was like, and he, and he was callous about it. Right. So, um, can can I offer one other idea? Absolutely. I think that um, the COVID pandemic mm-hmm. and everybody being out of work, mm-hmm. sitting at home, mm-hmm. needing something to care about. Okay. Because they're already in a bad situation. I mean, listen, both I, I, I don't know how you guys have fared through it, but both Andre and I had a pay cut and we mm-hmm. still had to work the entire time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, nice. you know, but that at least gave us something to do. So maybe we're blessed. Um, but people who are just sitting there and who are already hurting, who are already feeling disenfranchised and then something happens and it just I feel like there is just a perfect storm of everything and I, I mean, I don't know that if the pandemic hadn't been happening, if this wouldn't have got swept under the rug. Oh, yeah. Because also the media, sorry, I'm going to go there, but the media, they have to fill up their airtime. They do. And for three months, it was COVID, 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 COVID. Okay, wait, please stop talking about COVID. No, there's nothing else going on because nobody's doing anything great. COVID, COVID, yeah, COVID. Everybody's in the house. Everything's and closed. Now, <laughs> now all of a sudden, here's something else that we can cover. We need to. And then everybody said, no, no, no. Don't stop covering that. Right. No, no, no. You're going to try to talk about anything else? No, we're not going to let you talk about anything else. We're going to continue on this conversation. And I think that that's uh, part of this great white awakening that's trying to happen mm-hmm. where, where where we're you know white people are trying they're they're, they're trying mm-hmm. or at least they're saying that they're trying okay mm-hmm. now white words and white actions are two different things and mm-hmm. so from your point of view how can you know white people move from words to actions that's so funny i've been asking myself that probably for the last week um and it's really hard to quantify because it's 
it's it's it's um, I guess racism, so to speak, is embedded in so many different areas of our life and in our culture. It really is hard to say, okay, do this one thing and then, you know, but I think a place where we can start is listening and understanding versus I don't know what you're talking about. It's all a lie and what whatever else, especially um, considering the fact that if you're a white person, you've never lived as a black person and therefore you can't speak into what, you know, we may or may not be experiencing. And truth be told, you would never do that with any other culture. But for some reason, when it comes to black people voicing, you know, our pain, then it's, oh, you're just whining about blah, 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 slavery. And you're just whining about that. Just get over it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and blah, 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 blah. Without knowing that this is really, really deep, really, really serious. And it's been that way for a long time. And so for me, I would just say, let's start by listening and hearing each other out. And from there, there are, there are several different things that I would love to see. Education, The education system is a huge area for me personally, especially because I love children so much. And I've seen the disparities in terms of, you know, what's happening with our black children in school. And, you know, and I don't I don't even feel like a lot of these things are being done intentionally to them. We are going to be we're going to, you know leave you out of X, Y, Z and exalt our white children. I don't think it's like that, but Mm -hmm. I think it is something that needs to be brought to the forefront um, in terms of reforming there. And that uh, actually will affect a lot of other things, but that's, that's where I would start. I know. Yeah. We have our work cut out. I, I'm still learning of new ideas that um, a, a, a huge group of white people think when it comes to uh, inequality in America, I was just presented with the idea that blacks apparently use racial uh, issues, uh, systemic racism. We claim that as an excuse for us not being successful, (laughs) as an excuse for us to be lazy or to play the blame game for our inadequacies or whatever. And I was like, I have never heard that before. That is so new to me that I don't even know what to do with that because, in other words, you don't believe our cry is valid. So if you're whatever you're suggesting now says that there is we're just complaining and there's not life brings problems for everyone. So you're generalizing that we all have problems in life. So you just get over it and move on. There is no systemic racism. Prove it. You know, show me. I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah. I'm I'm black, so I, I don't. You know, I don't know what you're looking for. And I'm like, that's that is a challenge because I don't know what to do with that, and I don't know how we can push for any change if that is an idea. And, and how many people are thinking that? Right. How many white people are thinking that? Or Sorry. thinking it and don't even don't even realize it they've it's all subconscious it's all so deeply rooted that they don't even they don't even realize that that's shaping their conversations or shaping their thoughts and you want to go no (laughs) it listen to what you just said like that's that's what I've been doing the last few weeks because you know I'll be honest I I understand the anger from the last few weeks Mm -hmm. better than I ever did before because this is not the first time and you want to, I understand why people are saying, okay, it's great that you're getting it, but why didn't you get it yeah. two years ago? Why didn't you get it five years? Why didn't you get it 50 years ago? And yeah. see, I'm okay with you not knowing and you're trying to me. That's a step. I can accept that. Right. Not all people are in that place. There's some black people that are like, I'm tired. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. You know, get out of my face. Educate I, yourself. Yes. And I, yeah. you yeah. know, you're on your own. and Hey, there really is no judgment there, you know, but for me, I see you taking a step. Come on, let's go ahead and mm-hmm. let's, let's work with that and keep moving because I see that you're trying. That means something to me as a black person. You know, not everybody's there, but that's fine. But I also want to state that, you know, people don't understand um, survivor mode. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, that is a whole different thing because, it, well, black people do this. They commit crimes. Da, 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 da. Survival mode makes you do a lot of crazy 
things and it really has no race because you'll see the same thing if you go to another country, if you go to an Indonesia or wherever. Right here in there's, America. There's right a lot of poverty, America. you know, regardless of race. It puts you in a mode. It makes you, you know, I see, for example, I'll go back to the education thing. You know, a lot of and I've worked in I'll just say I've worked in education for over 20 something years. I actually have uh, graduated in elementary education, never did teach, Mm -hmm. but I have substitute. I've been a substitute teacher on and off just as a little side, whatever, for 25 years. And so I've seen what happens in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You have your white moms. They read to their kids every night. They do X, Y, Z. They bring them to, you know, they have them involved in all these extracurricular things. And there's a lot of support, support, support. But then you have a black mother who's working. I don't know how many jobs who doesn't have enough, you know, from an economic standpoint that it, they don't have the luxury of those extra little things that um, end up, creating success for their student in the long run. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, because it's generational. It is generational. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that, for example, builds generational education Mm -hmm. is usually the next generation is smarter than the previous generation. Right. And it it may not be by much, but typically that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's been studies that show that Kids that have books in the home are more likely to be literate and be successful in school. So mm-hmm. some some politicians saw that and said, well, let's just give everybody books. No, <laughs> you're missing the point. Right? Yeah. If the parents have books in the home, mm-hmm. they are more likely to be readers. Right. If the parents are likely to be readers, their children, children. are likely to be readers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so educational is generational growth. Also, wealth is a generational growth. That's right. Absolutely. And I, you know what the number one growth of uh, of wealth in America is what home ownership. Come mm-hmm. on, now that's come, mm-hmm. listen. Uh, let me. Can, I'm just going to tell you guys straight up. Break when it down. my wife and I got married, a year after we got married, we bought a house, yep. little three bedroom house. We we built it. It was the cheapest way to go because we also knew we can't upkeep this thing if this thing's broken down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that fair enough? Okay, so we get this house, and um, that's going to be our starter house. We're going to be there for five years. Well, in five years, it was 2008. We were in the hole about $40,000. Yep. And so what are we going to do? Stay in this house. We were in that house for 14 years before we moved about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. We had built $80,000 in equity in 14 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is not rent that we that we didn't pay towards. And yes, we didn't have to make a monthly payment for the mortgage and all those other things. But $80,000. Now, we were able to put that into a bigger house. Right. And now when my kids are ready, yep. they're going to be able to have a financial opportunity mm-hmm. that honestly other generations nope. didn't right. have. That's a good so. start. <laughs> so that is a good start Correct. for them. Okay, Exactly. The problem is, and by the way, a lot of black people already know this. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to white explain for our white people. <laughs> right. And this is what I'm going to tell you. White people, Google this for me. Phil Vischer, by the way, he's the one who, who actually did VeggieTales, the, the creator of VeggieTales. I might have to Google this. I don't know about this. Well, apparently if Bob the tomato can figure it out, let's just pause here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So if Bob the Tomato can figure this out, I think we should all be able to. So look up Phil Vischer, Race in America. It's it's a video that he's done, and he has animated it for us because Phil Vischer. Okay. He does. That's <laughs> it's what he does. I mean, and he shows, listen, he talks about redlining and how it kept black people from being able to buy houses and, and, and get mortgages. Right. But then it also talks about how the Realtor Association said you, if you – sell a house to a black person in a white neighborhood, you'll you lose your realtor's license. That's he's mm. taught, he's, I mean, he's going through everything. He talks about education and how mm. um, a black teacher is equally as likely to uh, encourage a black student to go into an honors program, but a white teacher isn't correct. Now here's the problem because you've said the word intention. Mm-hmm. And I think that the problem with white people is we don't want to admit that there's bias. Correct. Mm. We course. don't we don't want to. I don't hate you. Right. So why I'm not racist. Right. I'm not. I really I right. really try not to be. Right. But what what the where the disconnect happens is that there is an implicit bias that exists in every single person. Correct. Mm-hmm. 
and people are like, mm-hmm. no, 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 I'm not biased. I'm not biased. And I, there's a spiritual reason why people want to fight that. Ooh, but yes, there is. <laughs> but we need to talk about implicit biases for just a second. Is that okay? Right. Yes, please. Okay. Implicit biases are pervasive. You don't know they exist. Mm-hmm. They're down in your soul. That's right. Okay. Implicit biases are also not necessarily aligned with our declared beliefs. So I can believe in my heart and say out of my mouth that I'm not racist, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't change the fact that I may have a bias that's hidden in there somewhere else. I'm going to show you what this looks like. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a a convenience store and I'm there with my daughter, we're, 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 we're getting M&Ms. Okay. We like M&Ms. That's where we go. That's a convenience store. That's what we do. And I see a person of color walk in the door and I'm holding my daughter's hand. Do I even for a moment, squeeze it a little bit tighter. Now in my heart, that person, I I listen, theologically, I can tell you that person is made in the image of God. They bear the image of the most high King. They are a child of the most high God. Just like I am. We, we share the, we share the same DNA. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're so stinking close, but did I accidentally and unintentionally squeeze my daughter's hand just a little bit? Now, how this happens generationally is my daughter felt her hand be squeezed. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Now, she about. doesn't hear daddy ever say that, oh, that, that guy came in here looking like a thug. Yeah, she doesn't right. hear that. But that's what right. she feels in her heart and in her spirit is when I see someone like that, my daddy wants to protect me. That's yes. right. And so she doesn't understand that it's an implicit bias. Mm-hmm. It just gets down in her pervasively. Right. And now all of a sudden she grows up and says, every time I see someone who looks like that, I should probably put myself my doors. on mm-hmm. edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's this implicit bias that exists where you can see, listen, the Bible says, search me father and know oh, my, my heart. heart. Try me, yeah. know my mind. And the, the problem when you do that is when God takes a, flashlight into the dark areas of your heart, you don't always like what you find there. Right. So you want to close it back up. So you say, no, 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 exactly. That's exactly right. You say, God, I don't, no, 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 shut that off. That's not what I was talking about. I'm not interested. And so people who say out of their mouth and believe in their heart, because the majority of their heart is I'm not racist. I love all races. I'm good. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's a flashlight that shined. You go, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) And, and ultimately, you guys have all, everybody in here has been in a dark room before. Oh, yeah. Everybody have a, ever have a jerk shine a flashlight directly at your face in a dark room? <laughs> oh, yeah. The first thing you do is you close your eyes. And what I think is going on right now is that there is a flashlight being shined into people's dark areas of their hearts that they haven't invited in. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they close their eyes, they put up defenses and say, this, no, you, what, you're, what you're trying to show me, I'm not willing to see. Right. And so there's there's a real challenge that's going on that I'm seeing from white people that are telling you, I'm not racist. <laughs> but then they're also not loving <laughs> because love doesn't insist on its own way. That's, that's what right. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. Right. And by the way, I've been a Christian 33 years, okay? okay? I have read 1 Corinthians 13 plenty of times. Mm-hmm. I've been to plenty of weddings. Not until... A couple of weeks ago, did it ever register in my spirit that love does not insist on its own way? That's right. And what I'm seeing is white people not loving black people because they're insisting on their own way. They're not listening. They're talking just like I am right now. Um, <laughs> no, I, was, I was about to, they, yeah. to jump in. Uh, yeah, I know. I know you are. I have to do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and so they're not loving. So you may not be racist, but you're still a jerk. You're still mm-hmm. unloving. You're still yeah. unkind. Well, and you're not listening to listen. Yeah. You're listening to respond. Right. Yeah. How much of that is happening on social media right now? All the time. Oh, my goodness. Every day, every minute, every second. Very disheartening. Yeah, it's like a war between. So black people are are saying inequality, inequality, inequality. There are a lot of people going, there is no inequality. And I hear you, but I have a point to prove that there is no inequality. You're saying that because this and I no, that's not it. What you're what you're experiencing is not inequality. I'm like, well, what do you call it? <laughs> well, I, because this is my experience. It's just life. It's just unfair. Right. <laughs> that's it's just the- life. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, listen, crack cocaine. 
gets mm-hmm. 20 times longer sentence That's, than white cocaine. Come on, talk about it. So that is an un. Listen, times 20 means not equal. I'm just, I don't know if anybody else is good at math. I'm pretty decent. And there's actually less cocaine in crack cocaine yes that's correct there's less there's less of the psychoactive substance absolutely yeah absolutely there is amazing Uh, i i read this this uh quote from mark batterson are you familiar with him he's a pastor in washington dc i'm familiar with him he he wrote a book called the prayer circle which i just love um but this yeah oh he all of it yeah yeah i've i know that series okay and so this quote I, i read it today and it stopped me in my tracks it says we'd rather be right than do right in fact we'd rather be right than righteous quit managing your image and start stewarding his listen stopped me in my tracks (laughs) amazing stopped me in my tracks rather be right than righteous and i mean really you know as you all have said i think it just boils down to having a spirit of humility and i think you know um there are a few of my black brothers and sisters that are not doing it the right way either. They're hitting below the belt um, <laughs> with some <laughs> things. And I say that at the risk of, you know, I love my black card. I don't want to lose it, but I got to tell the truth too, you know? And so um, we got to do it right. We, of course. And, and by all means, speak out by all means, um, do whatever it is that you need to do to make your voice heard. But remember who you belong to. And I always use this example. Uh, me and Gerard talk about this all the time. But if I'm fighting with Gerard about something, which we rarely fight about anything, to be honest, but we're, <laughs> we're both middle children. <laughs> right. But so um, if I'm if ever we're disagreeing about something, even though I may be horribly angry with him, I am always mindful not to hit below the belt because I care about being in relationship with him. I want it to work out. I want things to, uh, I want us to come to a place of reconciliation at some point, even though in this moment, I don't like you, you know? And so (laughs) I think that's the way that we have to deal with each other. Also, look, say what you got to say, you get on my nose. But at the same time, there's only, there's a level that I won't go because I believe that God wants us unified. And what that looks like is a, you know. To me, that is a great example of the idea of reconciliation. But the way we use reconciliation when it comes to white and black issues, I don't understand it. Okay. So maybe you all can help me. So when we speak of reconciliation, (laughs) to me, I'm thinking of to be reconciled means that we have had to have been together before. I don't see when we were together before. If we have, please let me know. In this country, when we talk about racial reconciliation, we're talking about from one culture to another, right? Yeah. So when we say reconciliation, I'm trying to figure out when were the cultures ever together? When were they ever not divided? And I think that maybe the idea is reconciliation to where it should be, right? Not that it was ever good, okay. but we know that it wasn't good. So how do we get it to a good place? And where I think that a a lot of white people have said is, well, it's there. I don't feel it. I got black (laughs) friends. (laughs) There's a word for that. Is that called tokenism? Mm -hmm. When they, when you say, um, well, I've I've worked with black people. I go to church with black people. Some of my best friends are black. And black people do it too. You know, oh yeah, some of my best friends are white, but it's more often that you hear it as a oh, I know what I'm talking about because some of my best friends are black. So that that's a whole nother it's so many issues that yeah. we we are overwhelmed by. Yeah. I'm gonna say it so y'all don't have to. <clears throat> Just because you have one black friend doesn't mean you're not a racist. Come right. Come on. I'm, I'm just going to let you know, True. just because, and I apologize for offending all the people that are going to be listening, but I'm going to say it just because you're friends with one of the quote good ones. Oh my God. Doesn't mean that you're not racist. It means you probably are. Right. And so like I have, I have a friend who I was talking to today that I was literally like, I'm nervous about this. Uh, she, she's a, she's a black woman. And I was like, help me out here. And like, what, what are some of the things you want to bring? The first thing she says is, um, I'm the token for a lot of my white friends yeah, and they don't understand. Right. And, um, 
I, I'm starting to have to ask the question, why don't you have any other black friends? Right. And also, why do I have to talk differently when I'm around you guys Ooh. than when I'm around my family? All right. Why am I having to adapt who I am and be mm-hmm. a chameleon for who I actually am as a human so that you can accept me? Right. Because if I actually showed you who I really am, right? Is she, this, it, if I used the same vernacular that I usually use, what <laughs> would you actually accept me? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean... <sighs> I mean, and for me, um, that last statement is interesting because I see myself personally as um, one who knows different languages. Yes. And I know that I, if I go, I listen, I have no shame of my blackness. I am who I am. God was very intentional when he made me black and I don't take it back. However, um, when I'm around, let's say some of my white friends, I know that I can say, well, I mean, depending on who. <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all will understand where I'm coming from. Vernacular. But, yes. uh, well, to that, I think. Because um, that's really another Black topic. people, if I can speak for, I'm going to speak for myself as a black man. I find myself having to dilute my cultural vernacular that is indigenous to me. When I come around white people, just so that. I don't be perceived as ghetto or be perceived as uneducated or something negative, which I find that sometimes you'll do all of that and you'll still be perceived as all of those things. So it's work. But at the same time, my white friends, they have no challenges. They can, they can freely be who they are, who indigenous to their culture, their social makeup and blend and all that stuff. And they have no, they don't have to blend, but black people and other, um, cultures really in general. Let let me, I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a direct question. (laughs) If, uh, if both Andre and I were black and we were having this conversation, Mm -hmm. would you guys be talking in the same way that you're talking? Absolutely not. No. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I just wanted to point that out. There's, there's no way. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm on my best behavior right now. <laughs> well, and see, for me, it's not a thing of I'm trying to prove something to you or impress you to make you think anything about me. It's just so that you will understand me. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. doing a Paul, basically. That's true. You know, I'm becoming. You know that that really is all it is. It, but it has nothing to do. I mean, for and I mean for some black people, it it, it is a thing of well, I want to. You know, I don't want to be perceived a certain way. And I, I suppose That's there have been moments it. when that, that that has been true for me. Um, but in general, that is not true for me. I'm just like, do you understand what I'm saying? And every now and then, my you know my New Orleans comes <laughs> out, whatever. But um, yeah. I just try to keep it understandable. That's all. That's yeah. That's it, it's twofold for me too. So I do want there. I don't want to have to translate if I right. use my vernacular, natural vernacular. But um, but there's also the side where like, yeah, but I don't. You know what? I don't want you to think that I have no education. That I'm stupid. You know. And that's the case usually. Gerard, I was thinking when you were talking about changing your vernacular that a white person can change theirs and they can go in between and there are no consequences. Right. And you you experience consequences. You experience oh, yeah. all sorts of things because of that. And, you know, Seth, you were talking about as a – as a salesperson. Yeah, I have to, right? I mean, that's part of the way that I have to. And so there have been times when I've been uh, around a large group of uh, people of color and, and Julie will be like the wild card. She'll be like, <laughs> Hey, stop talking black. Yeah. And I'll be like, I ain't talking black. What are you talking about? Whatever that is. First of all, because Whatever that is, black yeah. is really not, well, you know well, what I mean? Well, and what she's saying is <laughs> stop. you're, Stop yeah. trying to appropriate that culture gotcha. so that you can fit in. And I'm like, well, no, I'm a salesperson. That's what I just naturally do. And I'm sorry. If I get around a large group of Latina people, like I'll be like, mira, listen, <laughs> all the time. Dude, I'll talk, like, listen, I've, I've talked about, <laughs> I've talked about Puerto Rican food with more Hispanic people than you want to know about because that's just part of my job. And I go in, I'm trying to connect and make, make those things. I have no repercussions for that kind of stuff is what Andre's saying. And yeah. like, yeah. That, that's at not least, always the case. At least they don't impact you uh, right. negatively. No, right. they usually impact me positively. Yeah. Because here's a white boy that's actually understands our culture, and I I close deals. But I mean, I, right. but do you really? Is what it. 
but do I really? But do you really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm putting exactly. on airs. Yeah. <laughs> I typically like my white people white and my black people black. Yeah. Meaning I don't want a white person to talk like a black person. And I don't want a black person to talk like a white person. Because I would, I would be interested in knowing who that person is naturally. Yeah. And see, for me, I, and Gerard and I talk about this all the time too. I see black people as many things. I don't see them as this or that, or you have to be really one of the, the things that I uh, want for my people is to be able to be and be free to have the same options that any other culture has yeah any i shouldn't have to be because i'm not i don't use slang all the time i don't really listen to that You're much right. rap music I, I very rarely actually do i listen to rap music <laughs> I don't but, to but i mean and it doesn't mean that i'm any less black and you know people think they're relating to you well you know so i don't know who who i don't know who that is right no no hate because yeah. you know when i was in high school i listened to a little bit of it but i don't you know so anyway i just want you know, hey, just real quick. I'm just, just do I, am I the person who listens to the most hip hop in this room? Probably. Probably. Okay, cool. I feel good about myself now all of a sudden. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is, it is just about, it, you said it earlier. God was intentional when he created you the way he created you. It was not an accident. Right. He knit you together exactly the way you are. And I, for one, love it and I'm very Aww. thankful. And, you just you just want to be who you are. Exactly. And it, there shouldn't be repercussions mm-hmm. for just being who you are. Right. Right. And here we are in 2020. We, yeah. We can spend so much time on these little minute things. Right. But there are so many more huge things that impacts the lives of people of color, economically, yeah. educationally, um, uh, socially. And we're talking about the small things. We can't even get to the bigger things that leads to, you know, disadvantages for people of color. Yeah. And uh, it's an overall, an overhaul rather Mm -hmm. needs to happen really of just our system in general, you know. And so anyway, I didn't want to cut you off. No, no, you're, it's, it's the truth. I, I typed this thing out the other day. Because I, I get so frustrated. <laughs> if I'm frustrated, I can only imagine how you're feeling with people that are so upset because they're taking down statues or they're taking down <sighs> yeah. the Confederate flag. And it just, it, it makes me so angry that they get so, and they're boycotting mm-hmm. because they're boycotting NASCAR because they don't want to use the Confederate flag anymore. <laughs> and it I just don't understand it. I really do not understand why because it matters. This is ours. We are yeah. entitled to have it. This is our world, our land, and what you think doesn't matter. This exactly. is our history. And you're just visiting. You're that's <laughs> you know what? Mm. You know what? That's I think that is that is the that's implicit. It. Let me ask y'all this. Um like sometimes I'll post something in um advocating for uh equality on social media. Why do some white people take it personally toward them? It, it go, they would rather be right than do right. I th- I think they feel like it's a personal attack. First, I I don't know why. Now I can I, I feel don't like know I can why, honestly that... say for black people when we take a stand for equality or we say Black Lives Matter or we say um, we need we need we want the same treatment as mm-hmm. we're not saying that we hate white people and this is a we by hereby declare war on all white people or on all cops on all right. white cops on you know we're not saying that at all we're saying hey no shade but i see seth johnson doesn't have to fear for his life when he gets stopped for running a stop sign. Mm-hmm. Well, Gerard Woods does. I don't want to have to fight for my life in that situation. Yeah. Um, and the response is, you go, wait, you took that personally? Like, and I'll get private emails that say, hey, are you, are you speaking of me when you posted that? Like, I wasn't thinking about you. You know what that is? That's narcissism. Mm. That's believing that the world revolves around them. Wow. And they... I, what did I read this week that said 
just because th- th- there's still a pandemic, even though you haven't been touched by it, mm-hmm. racism is still happening, even if you haven't experienced what's happening in the world in your world is not what's happening in the world. That's right. Right. And it's true. It is so much bigger. That That's what it is. That is a small world view. They don't look outside of their realm and their circle and their circle of influence yes. to see anything else. And then the, uh, the other thing is like, if you say, well, I live in a different America than you. It's you're disrespecting this country. You're disrespecting. deflection. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> and like, wait a minute. I was born here. So I have a right to say that about this country because I know this country very well. But my my what I've known about this country may be a different set. I respect your way that you've known this country and experienced this country, whatever that is. But I'm telling you mine. Mm-hmm. So don't try to correct it or edit what I'm saying. Right. And don't try to tell you that you're wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what you hear a lot, I'm sure. A that lot. you're wrong. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s. <laughs> I, I think the roadblock for a lot of white people, and correct me if I'm wrong because I don't want to speak for white people. <laughs> <laughs> but I free. think the roadblock. Hey, is... we've been speaking for black people for about 400 years. So go ahead. So here we go. Um, I think the word racist is the roadblock. And I think when you hear that word, um, there are a lot of feelings about it, you know, that white people have that. Wait a minute. Am I a bad person? Mm-hmm. Oh, am yeah. I evil? Am I? But I've never heard a black person. I've never. Intent- and really, it really has nothing to do with that. It's just about your participation, participation, sorry, in a system that whether you know it or not, mm-hmm. it's just about your participation in a system that has been oppressive to black people. And that really is what it boils down to. And yeah, because so, even if you suggest a difference mm-hmm. that they will skip all of that and hear racism, which mm-hmm. in ultimately, I guess it does mm-hmm. um, lead to that. But you're not saying, hey, you're racist. I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to cut that word out because you have a problem with that word. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say there's a difference in what I experience and what you experience as a, an American. And that is a fair assessment. And you go, well, I, I cut the word out. So you go, well, you should be okay now. No, because I still hear racism in that word, in that suggestion. You know what? Yeah. Go on. Can't win with for losing. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So. Here, here's the deal. If my daughter were to grab the keys to my truck and she were to figure out a way to get her foot on the, uh, on the brake, get it into drive and drive through my neighbor's fence, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Is that my fault that she did that? Absolutely. Of course. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. <laughs> it's not my fault. I didn't do it. She did it. It's not my fault. That is so true. It's not my fault. (laughs) That is a perfect example. However, it is my responsibility to make it right. To to make it right. And it was your responsibility to make sure she did not do that. Yes. But it was my responsibility. To fix it. Fault and responsibility are not the same thing. So true. They're they're not. And so people say, I'm not at fault because I I didn't have any slaves. Oh my goodness. I'm not at fault. I'm not racist. I haven't done anything against you. So because I don't have fault, I don't have responsibility. Not realizing that responsibility is relational to the person who was at fault in the first place. And if the person who was at fault did not take responsibility, the responsibility does not go away. It gets passed on. That's right. It gets passed on to the person that you are in closest relationship with. So for me, I've, I'm not in the KKK. I'm going to go ahead and just make a statement, right? But I do have family that were, Mm -hmm. Tell the truth. Like I, I, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I proud of that? No, not at all. Is it my fault that he was there? It happened mm-hmm. before I was born. It was happened right. before my dad was born. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. no, it's not my fault. Is it my responsibility to make sure that the people who were affected by that generation, generationally, four or five generations down the road, that they've been affected by it? Is it my responsibility then to do something to make sure that right. that that something is corrected? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fault isn't responsibility, but responsibility still exists. That's right. Exactly. Well, Andrea, um, that's 
not quite a show. What did we forget? Well, I don't think we forgot anything. I just think that uh, this conversation is so good that um, we probably don't want to edit any of this out, right? So let's go ahead and, and take a break now, and then we'll have everybody come back next week for part two. You think that'll be all right? I think that's all right. Think people listening listen into next week for the rest of it? Well, I, I really hope so. <laughs> Me too. But uh, I, the only way to really do that is to go ahead and subscribe if you're not subscribed. And then that, that way next week, this episode will show right back up in your feed. So subscribe, like, follow, comment on all the socials. We are at Dropping Sunday on all the things. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, also, we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on what we've talked about so far. Our thoughts and opinions are not the final word, dear listener. So please reach out. And as a reminder, every comment we receive on Apple Podcasts, we will donate $1 to a charity or ministry. You'll find out what that is at the end of next episode. And remember that the greatest compliment you can give us is to tell a friend to listen to this episode and to subscribe for next week. So until then, this is Seth. This is Andrea. This is Dropping Sunday.